You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's going on, Jermaine Johnson? Tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn On The Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Friday edition, finally some Jets news, not a lot of speculation, actually just Jets news. Quentin Williams uh, obviously extended yesterday, four years, 96, or yeah, four for 96. It's really five for 105 if you play out the the full five years of the deal, including this year, which uh, my guest here, who's I think maybe it's the fourth time on the pod, correctly predicted four for 96 back in, I think it was April, maybe right, right after the combine. Brad Spielberger, Brad, how are we doing today? Great. Thanks for me back. And uh, yeah, our guy Quinnen finally gets his bag right, right as we both. Hey, give yourself some credit. You also yeah. predicted that uh, that number as well. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll take it. I was very steadfast in the five for 105. So he could say he's really over 100 million. I think we're we're at a point in the NFL now where these pass rushing defensive tackles are, you know, there's a group of really, really talented guys. It's, you know, Lawrence and Simmons, obviously Aaron Donald's in a class of his own. Quinnen, you know, Deron Payne, Jonathan, Att- there's a million guys. Christian Wilkins, I don't want to forget him because I know he hasn't, I don't think he's gotten paid yet. Obviously, he's the last one. Quinn and getting extended felt like it was a given. That said, the Jets just showed out a ton of cash for Aaron Rodgers in terms of guaranteed money, whether it counts against the cap, which we'll talk about in a minute. Paying Quinn and Williams a lot of money as a defensive tackle, as an owner, probably is not like the number one priority on your list. That said, He's the face of the defense. He's the first Jets first round pick to be extended on a multi-year deal in 12 years, uh, which is insane. The last one did not go so well. So let's hope that uh, there's no Mo Wilkerson situation and he doesn't start getting into alcohol and a bunch of other problems. Is the deal fair? Where do you stand? Is there a clear winner? Was the were the Jets the winner? Is Quinn the winner? Like, how did this all shake out in your head? And obviously, we don't know the exact specifics, but we know enough to kind of evaluate it. So I do think it's a fair deal. I think the interesting thing here is that we've probably talked even on this show. I know I, I spouted a bunch, but about, you know, trying to go early, trying to get a deal done first, maybe being first to the market. And I think this is an example where, yes, obviously he passed Deron Payne and and Dexter Lawrence and Jeffrey Simmons, but I wouldn't be surprised if their asking price was a good bit higher than this number. And then those deals came in and were kind of, frankly, I think underwhelming to a lot of people around the league. And then they said, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll make you the highest paid of this cluster, but it's still going to be less than maybe what you were asking for initially. So I do think it's a fair deal. Look, I mean, he was phenomenal last season in both facets of football. Um, Obviously, he's become a consistently elite presence against the pass, which is what's going to get you really paid at this position in today's NFL. I think I found it a bit interesting. Obviously, it's partly Robert Sala's approach, but he's played a lot less snaps than some of the other guys, but maybe more impact snaps. And so he, he got there. But yeah. I think it's a fair deal. I think it's a win for both parties. Uh, and I think, you know, it was smart to get this done, have no distractions heading into this, you know, big season. Yeah. You, now that the Jets has got announced on hard knocks, it's hard not to assume that, you know, less than 24 hours later, 
after the Revis Roscoe Donner situation in 2010, all that worked out. Revis was awesome. The Jets are the most successful quote unquote team to ever be on hard knocks from that year. They went to the title game, obviously should have beat the Steelers. I just felt like it was always going to get done. It was just a matter of when, and I know there was some talk of the Jets wanting potentially a fifth year there. Quinn wanting it to be shorter. Obviously he's, you know, he's just turned 25 you know, he's a guy in two or three years. If he has a great, you know, they they go on a run here, win a title, and he has two or three more big years. He's probably renegotiating another mega hundred plus million dollar extension, um, you know, in 24, 36 months. I do think, you know, you mentioned there, I thought they should have been, you know, I was very adamant as well. Like be first here, set the market. Don't let other people get paid first because obviously the number usually goes up. I think that's where some fans were worried, right? You, you know, you start panicking. Okay, all these guys are getting paid, which means, and I, if you think Quinnen's better than all of them, arguably, you know, less injury history, he's younger, and then in some you know, respects, and probably at a higher ceiling. I just, I think there was the worry that does this get to five for one twenty? Where does it like? How high are we going to go here? Or are the Jets going to get stubborn? There's just not a lot of precedent for the Jets negotiating first round pick extensions. There's not. They either get traded or they suck. There's like, or they get traded and they suck. There's not been a lot, you know, there, I guess. So were you surprised that the guarantees, um, the overall outcome? I know you mentioned a little bit, you know, being a good deal for both sides. Obviously, the market's established, but where did you, where'd you land on like 66 million, you know, reportedly guaranteed? And it kind of just adds on to that, um, you know, the last year's rookie deal. Yeah, for sure. So the 66 number, you know, is probably, I would imagine, including that fifth year option. So it's going to be, you know, 57 million in new total guarantees, which is right in line with Jeffrey Simmons. Um, I, I can tell you, I, I told you pre-show, I've heard, haven't got any specifics yet, but I've heard that, you know, the, the media number, not that it's going to be lower than that on paper, but that maybe the cash flows are a little bit backload a little bit, or the guarantees don't trigger super early. Jeffrey Simmons kind of, and not to get super into the weeds, but uh, the way his guarantees are structured are not great uh, from the player standpoint. So maybe there's things like that in there just for a little bit of protection for the player. A guy like Dexter Lawrence took some uh, pregame roster bonuses. So did Deron Payne uh, or no, only Dexter Lawrence did, but some big pregame roster bonuses. So all these little mechanisms that do matter at the end of the day. And look, the Jets drive a hard bargain. I, I mean, they do. You know, sometimes maybe it doesn't look too great when they are battling with Zach Wilson over offset language and things like that. But they have precedence. They stick to them. They care about them. And it does benefit them. It's not random. They're not doing it willy-nilly. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to come out when the details fully, uh, you know, get brought to light. It's going to be right in line with those deals. And I think we're going to say, yeah, this was this was a win. You know, it, it was expected. Like you said, it was inevitable. And I think it will be viewed as a, a good contract for the Jets. You mentioned uh, right there, obviously – I, I understand this, but I guess, can you kind of explain when you, like these extensions happen with guys on rookie deals? You mentioned obviously that, you know, incorporates the 9 million or so that was his cap hit this year. We obviously don't have the, like, again, it's not fully announced yet, but how does that work for this year? Like I know fans are curious of Dalvin Cook, Aaron Rodgers, you know, restructure. They want to know about Quan Alexander, how much space and all these different things. How much does this extension at all affect this year? Or is it all, you know, down the line? Salary cap standpoint, generally the number stays the same in the first year. So I would imagine he still has a nine million dollar cap hit, maybe a slight increase, but um, yeah, they they basically drop the salary down, and then the signing bonus, of course, will, will boost it up. So I would imagine it's basically cap neutral, uh, and they still obviously got to figure out the Rogers situation, but you know that they still probably have some room to make a couple moves if they wanted to. So let's hit on the Rogers thing because he gets traded, and you know Connor Hughes of SNY mentions. There's this 
crazy restructure coming with Rodgers. He does restructure, but it's the same restructure we kind of all um, – it's even – it was a restructure in order to get himself traded. Right now, he still has – you know, he's obviously going to get the guaranteed money. There's $108 million left in 2024. There's only – he's making – he's like the fourth the lowest paid player in the team right now. I know it's going to get – we expect it to get changed. Are you surprised at all it did, has not happened yet? I know Quinn, again, since it's not affecting this year, I felt like it would have gotten done already. And then B, we've talked a little bit about it, not that it's been two or so months. Has any – has your opinion or your assumption of what's going to happen changed at all on, on his restructure? I think because it's all fully guaranteed, there wasn't really a, a pressure or a push to get it done. I think you even saw moves in the interim where, you know, uh, Chuck Clark gets hurt and then Rogers probably said, hey, Adrian Amos is a good friend and is a solid, capable safety that can now fill that role. Go sign him. Like making, you know, again, I'm not saying he's calling the shots, but, but leaving the space open for him to, well, yeah, maybe he is, but leaving the space open to be like, hey, look, I'll, I'll be patient on that. We'll, we'll circle back to it. But when I circle back, it's because I want us to have done a couple things before that date. Um, my opinion has changed a little bit, honestly. I thought it would be a couple days after he got there, they would just make it happen, get it done pretty quickly. Now, you know, I do think maybe he gives them a bit of a 2023 discount. He was going to make $59 million this year. I, I don't see why he would or how he would go below like 45. So maybe they move you know, 25 into a signing bonus and then make his uh, salary 21 million instead of, you know, the one, 1 million. But right there, you're basically taking up all the remaining cap space. So, you know, do they restructure some deals? Do they make some tough decisions? Um, Yeah, I, I find it pretty fascinating. It's been this long and he still hasn't figured it out. Yeah, look, it's just something that to me is only confusing from the aspect of there's a couple other guys on the market and Dalvin Cook, for example, well, Alexander, who fans you know would love to bring back, all the numbers with him on the field. The Jets were a much better defense with him and Quinn on the field when they weren't. You even look at a Corey Davis restructure, which still hasn't happened, which is something that I feel like we talked about in like January when you were on the show, um, and it still hasn't happened. You even look at a CJ Mosley. Now, again, do I think the Jets want to restructure CJ Mosley? No. His cap number is, might be balloon this year, but as much as you're going to cut it down to 10 million this year, it's going to go up to 24 million next year. It's like you just keep pushing it out. You have to pay off your credit card eventually. Is there any moves non-free agent wise with the Jets? Is it Corey Davis? Is that is that really the one? I mean, Dwayne Brown looks like he could be re you know restructured for some money, but here he's got a bunch of bunch of dead cap years. So like, how do you how if you're the Jets do you handle this? Because again, we mentioned a couple guys out on the market. Is there anything else that they're going to do internally? You think it's just the Corey Davis uh, you know restructure, which has to be coming. He's no guaranteed money on this deal. I mean, he I wouldn't want to play on that. Yeah, so th this sounds like it's maybe worse than it than it should. Uh, look, I think they're going to be straight up pay cuts, and I think Joe Douglas has taken made a precedent already. Done it with a bunch of players. You get Jamison Crowder a couple of years ago. Obviously, Carl Lawson agrees to one already, and I think that says a lot because I think he was once he got healthy, pretty darn productive last year. So I think Corey Davis, C.J. Mosley, and Dwayne Brown. You go to them and say, "Look, it's mid July." You're you're gonna you're not gonna make this much money anywhere else. So for Davis, I think he's what, like eleven, twelve million dollar salary. Yeah, hey, we'll 13, give you seven. It's 13. twelve and a half, and he's like there's three hundred thirty three k that's guaranteed. 
Right. So, but I'm saying, I'm not even saying add prorated money by a restructure. Say, hey, we'll chop that down to seven. We'll take five and a half mil off. Sure, we'll put incentives where you can earn all of it back. With Dwayne Brown, I think it's like a $9 million salary. Say, hey, we're dropping dropping that down to five. You can earn it back with incentives. And Mosley, I think it's 17. You say, hey, we're dropping that down to 10. And, you know, we'll, we'll do incentives again. And, and it, they're not wrong. No team is going to pay those guys. Even the, the lower number I just said is not getting paid. And then, of course, you guarantee it. They kind of, you know, lock in their spot on the roster, all those things. I think that's going to happen with a bunch more players. And the one guy I, I'm curious, you kind of mentioned him there. Were you surprised at all at the loss in, like, the fact that he just straight got a pay cut. And I know the Jets phrase says he wants to be here. He wants to win. I know that's all true. That's not a, that's all part of it. Right. I mean, he's a guy that on the open market, whether you think he's an A level rusher or even a B level guy, I mean, he'd get paid more than 8 million bucks on the open market. You'd have to assume at 27 years old. I know there's the injury history. That's the whole reason he wouldn't, but are you surprised at all? Like he took a pretty significant pay cut. Um, you know, for a guy that's still a productive, you know, edge rusher in the prime of his career. Interesting is it's, I genuinely think he really does just want to win. When he was in Cincinnati, he basically was there before they actually became a football team. And he, you know, basically ran out of the building. He could not have gotten out of there faster. Um, and I'll tell you this, too. There were some pretty legit trade talks going on this offseason for Carl Lawson. Um, you know, I'm sure once Will McDonald got drafted, maybe they even ramped up again. I think his perspective probably is. I want to actually contend and play for a legit team. And I want to show my second year back from an Achilles that I'm fully healthy, get to play with, I mean, one of the most loaded defensive lines in the NFL, get a lot of favorable matchups. Now you're on hard knocks. You're going to play, what, six primetime games, probably some playoff football. His thinking might be, why, you know, drive a hard bargain, say, no, you can cut me, don't give me a pay cut, and go, you know, go somewhere or have a great year and they get paid in free agency next year, whether that's with the Jets or elsewhere, probably elsewhere, given the situation. I think that was his calculus, and I honestly think it was a smart approach uh, for the long-term perspective. Yeah, so I want to hit on the long-term perspective before I ask you a few other things. You put out an article, I don't know, two weeks ago, a week ago, long-term cap health. Obviously, I think the Bengals were one, if I'm not. I think the Jets were either two or three, if I'm not mistaken. Can you kind of just explain a little bit of why? Because the person from the outside looking in, I mean – would say you're paying Rogers a ton of money. You're paying Mosley a ton of money. You're paying like other, these other guys. I'm assuming the argument is they're pretty much not paying other than those two guys. They're not paying any of their pro bowl or all pro level players until obviously they start paying Quinn. Is that the real argument? Because either people aren't getting paid or Mosley and Rogers money has got like a year left or two years left. So part of it is that, right? Cause it's a three-year window. So, you know, Mosley would have a zero, you know, impact on 2025 and, and a couple other guys as well. But the biggest thing, the biggest change I made was, you know, from the first year I did it, I got a lot of feedback basically being like, yeah, it's obviously great. It, it looking sense, but the, you're underestimating that if you have a good and talented roster, it kind of has a, a positive snowball effect of you can build around it. You can get players to come for cheaper. Maybe you can do all these things and it kind of, it has inherent positives built into it. And so I actually weighted the one of the five categories is simply just evaluation of the roster, right? And so the Jets are very, very high on that, of course, uh, and, and that's going to carry it a bunch. And then, you know, for example, the, there's one category that's your pending free agents, how much do they get? Quinn was counting you know, heavily against them in that, even though, of course, now they'll have less cap space and all those things, they no longer have this massive expenditure on the horizon. So, yeah, but it really comes back down to their phenomenal roster and then the second part you mentioned. I mean, when you have 
all of these early draft pick rookie contract players that are not getting paid their actual market rate. I mean, just to, literally just Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner alone is probably saving you the next two years is saving you $20 million a year. Maybe that's too high. 15, you know, for Garrett, maybe. Um, yeah, no, it's not crazy, right? I was thinking of Sauce as fourth overall pick at corner, but still like, you're literally saving 15, $20 million for the next two seasons, at least um, it could be three years, you know, going to Sam, just like Quinn. And so that's it. Yeah. It's, it's a massive, massive benefit. Yeah. Look, I mean, sauce this year is going to be what sauce going to be at 7 million is his cap number. And Garrett Wilson's going to be at four. I mean, I would, if, yeah. if Garrett Wilson's has the year, we think he's going to, he's a guy that's probably worth 20 a year minimum. And sauce yep. is probably already worth 20 a year. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think you're – I mean, it, it probably – I might have been low. Who's the next guy? Is it AVT? It's Bryce Hoff. Those are the two guys to me that – AVT, obviously, from that class. Michael Carter from that class. Michael Carter, sneaky, might be the one. Him and Bryce Hoff are the two guys that um, – slot corners, it's a weird market. But, like, why wouldn't Michael Carter, if he has a nice year this year, get paid, you know, $7 million a year? I mean, something in that range, 7 to $8 million a year. Does that feel crazy? Like, I feel like those are the two guys that – we're looking for the next in-house extensions it's probably redoing jfm's deal down the line because there's the guarantees run out abt and then what conklin's in line for an extension and um i don't know i think there's a lot of guys that like there should be next year if they have a good year there's gonna be a lot of guys getting extended or kind of redone their deals redone yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think when you have a good deal like a DJ Reed in place, you probably aren't afraid to pay a second corner, even knowing Sauce is coming. Because like I said, you'll have still two more seasons beyond that. For all we know, by the time his money hits, neither DJ Reed or, or Michael Cutter are still there. But yeah, those guys definitely factor in. Bryce Huff obviously factors in. Um, you know, his, his value and my my evaluations is probably, you know, exorbitantly high. We both love the guy, but, you know, he just he's so good at one of the most expensive things to do in football. So he's going to have this massive number, even if he's only playing, you know, 350, 400 snaps a year. So, yeah, those two guys for sure. And ABT definitely, um, you know, once he gets healthy, of course, I, I think we'll be, be getting a very nice deal. Let's talk Dalvin Cook quickly. Um, Dolphins are in on him. They've made an offer. It's obviously a dog shit offer. That's why he's still on the market. He's from Florida. He's best friends with Jalen Ramsey. He trains down there, lives down there, the whole thing. They also don't really need him. I know the Dolphins, they just don't run the ball a lot. Like, I, I just, they don't. I think he would help them a lot, but I just don't feel like they're, you know, they give most there. They'll give, you know, Ache and these guys eight carries, 10 carries a game. He's not going to get number one carry workload. The Jets, there's interest. I can, I know there's interest there, but it feels like part of it, it feels like my gut slash what I've kind of heard is like 75% of it is he wants to be a dolphin. And it's like putting so much public pressure. I'm going to be a jet. I'm going to your rival. This is the team you're competing with. 25% tells me he ends up a jet. Then there's the Patriots. There's some giant stuff now. Saquon, again, that feels like using Dalvin as leverage where the jets kind of feel like they're, I don't feel like they're going to use. I just feel like their name is, but it does make sense. You don't want to rush Brees Hall back. As he advocated, he's 20 years old. He'll be the youngest player in franchise history to play in an NFL game. Michael Carter had a terrible year last year. He should be better. Bam Knight had three nice games. He had four games. He didn't look good. So gut feeling on what happens with Cook. And how's it going to work with him getting paid? Is this like an, uh, an MLB, NFL, or an NBA situation where he got cut, had guaranteed money? So like he might play for less than he's worth but he's still getting paid. Is that how it's going to kind of work here? We're like, remember when Mello got caught and it was like, he's still getting owed $28 million, the amnesty clause in the NBA. Where are we going to end up with Dalvin Cook here? Because I know he can wait, but like as a running back, you want to get your reps and your legs under you during camp. 
So I'm the one team that you didn't mention that I think is very much so in the mix uh, is the Denver Broncos. I, I think people aren't talking about it enough. Obviously, George Payton, their GM, was in Minnesota for basically Dalvin's entire career. But also, just like Brees Hall, you have a former second-round stud running back coming off a torn ACL. Uh, I think Williams, we keep hearing positive reports that he's going to be ready for training camp and all these things. I get a little – I'm like, yeah, they, we heard that about J.K. Dobbins, too, and they didn't play until yeah, like he, so, he had the full works. <laughs> he had ACL, PCL, MCL, anything. Yes, yeah, yes. This was – Brees is a little more straightforward. Javante's was not straightforward at all. Gnarly. That's why I, I keep seeing these reports, and I'm like, this is insane. And, and you know, maybe it's true. And, and Smaj P. Ryan's a, a fine back. But I don't. Th- I think Sean Payton's entire offseason was, how can we run the ball 30 times a game and then have play action for Russell Wilson? I mean, tried to sign Alan Lazard, tried to, tried to get more tight ends. Like, I, you know, tried to trade away Sutton and Judy, who probably don't block all that well for him. Like, I think it's what he wants to do. You go out, you add, uh, you know, Powers and, and McGlinchey for a reason. So, Anyway, though, so I, I think they the probably is shopping and trying to get a better offer. He only had a $2 million guarantee remaining, and there are offsets on that. So anything above that, you know, the Vikings would get a, would get a credit at the end of the season. So it's not going to impact his contract insofar as he'll take a minimum because he has this massive payout coming elsewhere. Um, that's not the case. I think it's more just a situation of uh, the market is as bad as it could possibly be right now. And you know, the numbers I'm hearing he, he might want, and this isn't firsthand, but like, I, I'm like, there's no chance. Like you look at historically running backs in July that are signing probably one year deal. Maybe he gets two. They're getting three, four, $5 million. And I think he's better than a lot of those guys. He's 27, still productive, still has top end speed, can break tackles, et cetera. But like, like if the number is, if it's a double digit number, I'd be absolutely shocked. I think you get like six, 7 million with some incentives. And that's probably about as good as you can do. Yeah, I, I just had this feeling he ends up with like two for 16, but it's really one for seven. And it's like, can get up to 11 if he makes a Pro Bowl and an All Pro and he makes a Super Bowl. Like, that to me feels like right in line. Then he's got the guaranteed and he'll have the deal and they get redone again, you know, next offseason. I, I mean, is there a chance he ends up a jet? I just feel like, you know, you want to see how Brees Hall, when he gets in the building next week, what's he going to look like? You know, what's. What's the rest? Of, what do the rest of these guys look like? And does Dalvin really want to be a Jet? Like, it does feel like that. And I know it's you know his agent's a Jets fan and the whole thing. That stuff doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he clearly wants to get paid and get. Again, I think for the Jets, it's more impactful they get him, knowing they keep him away from Miami. And also, week one, the Bills. You know, he still gashed the Bills last year on Minnesota. And you're hoping you know Brees Hall dresses. Maybe he plays five, ten snaps. Like he's not going to play a lot whether people want to hear it or not. I could be totally wrong. I would be shocked if he runs the ball 20 times on opening day. Dalvin Cook, as he had became Michael Carter, is still a very – it's probably a top 15 backfield. All of a sudden, you had him, Brees Hall, now you're – I don't know. Is there a better one-two punch in the NFL than Brees and Dalvin? I don't know. I think AJ Dalvin's better than A.J. Dillon. So, I don't – I mean, I don't know. Aaron Jones is sick, right? But Aaron Rodgers, you look at – he did so much two-back stuff in Green Bay when he won the MVPs. That's always been his thing. I want to ask you quickly about Quan Alexander, just because kind of this time last year, I think it was pretty much honestly like year to the day. They signed Quan, Quan's whole thing, super talented, can't stay healthy, stays healthy the whole year, which was shocking, which, you know, makes you nervous that, that, you know, that, that injury is coming. Although I know he changed his diet. He stopped eating like meat or whatever, and everything's different. This is another situation kind of like that. The Jets offered him enough money. He'd be a Jet already. Like, is that, is he going to end up being a guy that like still has to take 2 million again, just because we're in the middle of July, he's approaching 30 and he's got an injury history as much as he's an effective third linebacker. Like, 
I don't know. I just feel like if the money is there, he'd be a Jet already. Or if the money was there elsewhere, he'd be somewhere else. Yeah, I think that is an accurate representation. I'll say, too, honestly, he's in the age now of I just don't want to go to training camp practices in the July heat, and I'll just wait as long as humanly possible to show up for a team. So that, honestly, he might have a jet, an offer from the Jets that he's going to take or knows he's going to take, and he's just saying, yeah, let me, let me mull it over, and then he'll show up on, like, August 15th and get, like, a week of practice in and, and then be ready for week one. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. Any last two things here of, of Jets slash, you know, AFC East, there's no chance Stefan Diggs gets traded. Were you shocked at all that the Bills made a huge deal out of that and then told everyone how annoying it was they made a big deal out of it, knowing he just redid his deal and it's pretty much the Bills would basically be committing suicide by by trading him? Completely untradeable. He's not going anywhere. I, I really do. I think it was a misstep from Sean McDermott, who's usually a very good head coach. I mean, he probably had a reason for saying it, but I think maybe he underestimated it's mid-June. Literally no one is talking about anything of substance whatsoever in sports. So even if you think it's kind of a throwaway line, like if he said in in, in you know week two, I know it's Stefan Diggs, I get that. But if he was like, Yeah, he didn't practice for concerned, I think it's a storyline for half an hour. And we're all like, Oh, what's going on? Like, should I start him in my lineup this week? Whatever, and then we kind of move on. I think part of it was just that it was the only thing that happened for basically a month, but it is interesting. Look, it's not money related. It can't be. His contract is as strong as anyone at wide receiver. I think he's just a super passionate dude that just wants his team to win so, so badly. But look, they're second in cash spending. They add Leonard Floyd. Like they've done some moves here and there. I, I get the frustration, but I think it's just kind of who he is. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I mean, I was there in Minnesota. Like, everyone loved him to death. He was just like, he just wanted the football more. And I think he had a legitimate gripe at, at, at that time. It wasn't a selfish thing. He just wanted to win football games. And I, I think it's the same thing. Last last receiver guy, and then just last your kind of biggest expectation or concern for the Jets. DeAndre Hopkins is still out there. It's another one similar to Dalvin Cook. If I think if someone paid him what he wanted, he'd be on, off the market. The Tennessee stuff makes no sense. That'd be a straight ego thing for him. They're not winning this year. They might make the playoffs as like a, you know, that's a, that division's still not very good. Although I think Houston's going to be better. I think Jacksonville's good. Maybe a little overrated based on the horrible, you know, blown game by the, uh, by the Chargers. New England, like, just doesn't throw outside the numbers. So I'm not sure how that much that makes sense, but we'll see. Do you feel like he still ends up in New England or Tennessee? Because it's like, the Jets would have made a lot of sense. It just doesn't feel like they're interested, and he's kind of been public. He's not interested. Buffalo keeps doing this whole thing. KC cleared like $3 million. Like He feels like a guy who thinks he's worth $20 million a year as a number one receiver, and I just don't know if teams view him that way. I think they probably view him as a really sick number two, and they want to pay him that way. 100%. I mean, the worst thing that happened for Hopkins or for the teams trying to sign Hopkins is Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract, right? I mean, he gets <laughs> – excuse me. One year, fifteen million, fully guaranteed. It's, I think, the craziest contract I've seen in in years. Um, but if you're him, if you're DeAndre Hopkins, you should say, "Why would I take less than that?" Like, even if you think Odell maybe is a better player as of right now, I'd ask you, "A, how do you know that he hasn't played football in eighteen months?" But, um, but like B, like so, it's tough. I think the thing there is he probably has offers that he respects from a dollar standpoint from Tennessee and New England. He doesn't want to go there, and so he's hoping that a good team. We'll offer them the same amount of money, and they're just not going to. I'll tell you, like, we keep seeing the Buffalo and Kansas City stuff. I've checked in on that a hundred times. 
I don't think there's much interest there at all, frankly, unless he takes a very, very team-friendly, you know, like Juju Smith-Schuster last year, one year, about $4 million. He ended up making over $10 million by incentives. And I think Kansas City and Buffalo probably say, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're guaranteed to make the divisional round, like, pre- pretty much every year at this point. Um, and maybe not this year with, with the Jets and everything. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I just think it's like he wants the money from a good team. And you got to make either, either good team or money, but not both. Yeah, and that's... I got that's what I'm saying. That's I think the Dalvin and DeAndre Hopkins thing is Pro Bowl level guys, not sure they're still the same level last year for various reasons. You know, D Hop's got the injuries, steroid stuff or performance enhancers, whatever you want to call it. Two two questions here, kind of rapid fire. Biggest biggest either question mark or concern for the Jets going to camp. Um doesn't have to be like a position group, it could be just like what's your biggest? They're not going to be as good as everyone thinks because, and then we'll do the, the inverse, obviously finish with a positive. I mean, the offensive line does still give me some qualms. I think obviously if you get health from Elijah Barrett Tucker, if you get maybe a bounce back, Makai backed in, you know, a healthy Max Mitchell, like all these dudes are, are getting hurt. I feel like, like I think there's good depth there. I think getting Connor McGovern back for basically a, a, you know, minimum contract speaking of, by the way, like the way a good team can kind of make things happen for you. But so I think it's not going to be a bad unit. And we obviously talk a ton about PFF, like just have an above average unit. And, and if you have Aaron Rodgers, that's it's good enough, but I do get concerned, like, you know, like if, if Dwayne Brown goes down or if Makai Becton doesn't really come back strong, or like it starts to get a little bit scary. So that's the one thing where, look, I think there it could skew both directions. It could be great if everyone comes back healthy. Lakin Tomlinson plays a little bit better this year, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think if you had to, like, nitpick one spot on the roster, I'd go there. Yeah, that and safety feel like Adrian Amos two years ago and Jordan Whitehead two years ago. It's a pretty good unit. Offensive lines, probably the most expensive and highest draft pick unit in the league, or one of them. Last year was the most expensive unit in the league, and every single person got hurt. I know a lot of that's having to spend money because everyone got hurt, but you know they need to stay healthy. They need to have like the same group play at least like six or seven games together. They just have never, they never have it. It hasn't happened. You don't need Beckton Mitchell and Carter Warren and Billy Turner to all be good. You need one of them to play and stay healthy, and you need one of Dwayne Brown and Beckton to play or. One of McGovern and Tittman, like it just can one of these guys stay healthy. And when AVT's in there, the Jets offensive line is pretty good. When he's not in there, they're frankly awful. So that needs to happen. Biggest reason to be overly optimistic about the Jets of like they could really make a run here. They could win the division. They could win the Super Bowl. Is it just Rodgers? Like what's what's your biggest reason of optimism of people might actually, you know, nine and a half or whatever their win total is might be low. I think the biggest one for me is you didn't just go out and create a quote unquote like super team and get a bunch of top end talent, but then have like no depth. Like, I think for me, you can withstand injuries better than a lot of the teams in this division where, I mean, you lose an edge rusher, you lose two edge rushers. You're probably fine. Um, you know, same goes with receiver where I mean, Garrett Wilson's the only stud, but like, yeah, I didn't think Carl Lawson would be back or I thought he might not be back. I didn't think Corey Davis would be back. He's back. So if things do break down, you have depth there. I think that is the key for me is because, look, you know, as well as anyone, injuries are part of football. They're going to happen. And I think a little bit in years past, which, look, if you don't have good starters, you're not going to have good depth. But but not only did you now also add good starters, I think you also have some quality depth. Yeah, like I agree. I think the only places they don't have depth is really quarterback and I've harped on this all offseason. I still think this is a problem. Uh, JFM was on the pod the other day, said Zach looks so much better. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Um, he was looked <laughs> better last year, and then he had the best we could practice anyone seen from a Jets quarterback in eight years and went out through one of the worst interceptions ever and hurt himself. So 
Um, let's just take that with a grain of salt. I uh, appreciate obviously hopping on camp for the Jets starts five days from today. This episode with Brow will be out, you know, here shortly. Vinny Pasquantino, the uh, Royals first baseman, who's a diehard Jets fan, and season ticket holder will be on later today. Thomas Morstead, uh, the Jets finally upgraded a punter, realized they were oh, yeah. wrong. Finally, finally got rid of a draft pick uh, that needed to be gotten rid of. Uh, so he'll be on the pod on Monday. So we have a lot there. And then one more preview episode uh, before camp gets started and I get married on uh, on Friday. So um, lots of exciting stuff upcoming. Make sure you check out Brad's work and, uh, you know, we'll have to do this again. Hey, congrats on the wedding, man. Thanks, You're man. very in the lead there. I know. <laughs> it's, the most, it's the most exciting thing. We're just nonstop, uh, nonstop wedding stuff. So appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to everybody later. You know, so, I mean, I'm I'm excited about, you know, how they're going to progress this season. And I don't think they get talked about enough. And, you know, Makai, when he comes back, full confidence that he's going to push me and he's going to make sure me, Jermaine, and Will, um, pretty much who plays on, on that left side, are, are ready for the season, you know. And can't say enough good things about him, you know, and how he's transformed his body and how he's, he's got a great body of work. So, Looking forward to the season. Looking forward to playing with those guys, man. It, it's it, it's an exciting season. Definitely a season that we're all looking forward to, man, for real. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm sure Spencer Brown has been having nightmares for six months about blocking you and Bryce on the edge. He's almost got Josh Allen killed last year, but that's neither here nor <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, I His wife got all mad at me in, on Twitter because I said, whatever. We're not going to go down that route, but – Two, a couple of fun ones. One, you see high school in Texas where I just was for my bachelor party in Austin. Great food. Very, very, very good food. Um, oh, yeah. You're born in LA. You're living in New York, New Jersey. If you had to eat, are you picking like Texas food? Are you picking kind of being here where there's a mix of everything? LA kind of sucks. So I don't really want to go down that whole route. A little too ritzy for me. <laughs> no, nah, for sure, for sure. And it all it's all what you make it. Um LA, I kinda found some great spots and I'm a big fan of hot chicken. So LA has a hundred different hot chicken places. Texas has a hundred different hot chicken places. New Jersey has a couple. They're not, you know, whatever. They're not that great, but I mean, I'ma choose Texas first. Um, I'll definitely choose New York second more so because of the variety. Um, Sally actually got me going to a couple Michelin star restaurants and stuff. So I tried Don Angie's and and I'm not a pasta fan at all. Don't like that shit. Grew up on oven baked lasagna and I don't just like, I don't like pasta no more. It was either oven baked lasagna or spaghetti that we made at home and we ate that for four days in a row. So I'm not a fan of pasta. I went to Don Angie's and I've been ready to eat pasta just about every day since then. <laughs> so, so actually I might be playing D-Tackle next yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to hang out at Carboni and eat the, the spicy uh, rigatoni and be screwed. I've never had, I've never had. I've never had it. I, we'll, we'll, we'll go. That's what we'll do. That's what, that'll be the next, uh, we'll do a review of well, their response. Yeah. Everyone keeps talking about it. I know Rogers went with sauce and everyone's like gassing it up. How good it is. I don't know if it's as good as it is. We'll see. Apparently it's very, uh, very long line to get in and oh, not expensive for pops, but if it's, if it's that good, gotta have to check, gotta have to test it out. Were you, when you got like, when you got here, 
everyone makes a big deal out of breakfast sandwiches. I I get it. I went to I went to college in New York. I got to eat them when I didn't go to college in New York. I hated it in Maryland. Um, they try to emulate it. Did you get the hype with the breakfast sandwiches, like the Taylor ham, egg and cheese, the sausage, egg and cheese, and all that stuff? Did that uh, did that impress you a little bit or not too much? I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm not. A, I don't. I don't eat that Taylor ham. I don't. I like. Um, I'm a sausage, egg and cheese, hash brown guy. Salt, pepper, easy. ketchup. That's easy. Like that's done. And, and me, when I'm when I'm a little light, I'm a thorn that piece of paper in there too. You know. Uh, why not? Yeah. You know, why not just why not just uh, throw all the uh, all the meats on there? Maybe throw on some chorizo, something else on there too. Yeah, I'm like nah, but the Taylor ham, I'm just not gonna get down with. But yeah, I'm a fan of the bagels. I've always been a fan of bagels. I'm a huge breakfast fan, so anything breakfast, I'm with. And New York definitely has. Now I will say they don't have donuts, and that's my like that's your that's, that's your kryptonite. My, like it's just kind of like. Texas, there's donut like a donut shop on every corner. So I come to New York, I'm like, how the hell y'all don't got no donuts out here? Every now and then, you know, like we got the rookies going to grab us donuts on, you know, whatever Fridays or Saturdays, and they got to go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, Dunkin that, donuts, that and Krispy Kreme. It's like Krispy Kreme's ass. Like yes, it's just dude. not. It's it's that's that I I didn't even think about the donuts. The donuts is a problem. It's all like the franchise. It's Dunkin' Donuts, like Krispy Kreme and uh, Starbucks and stuff. It's not it's not the homemade good stuff. L.A. does have some good donuts, I will say. Yeah, uh, Hoodoo Donuts is yeah. Donuts. <laughs> uh, no, last uh, last two things here. One, is there any? Are you like? Have you gotten out to a bunch of like Yankee Mets like? Do you, do you like going to some of these other, like, you know, basketball, watching basketball, baseball, like hockey? Have you gotten out to any of that stuff? Is that, like, is that is that cool for you? Or, like, you know, obviously the there was the big, you know, during the playoffs, they love to throw everyone on in the, in the guard and stuff like that. Do you kind of get into basketball and, and baseball here? Or you kind of focus on, uh, just kind of focus on other stuff and get away from sports? Uh, I, I went to a Dallas Stars game, which, I mean, might be trade, a trader or whatever after going to that, but. Um, that was my first hockey game and definitely gained a lot of respect for hockey during that. Um, went to a game and at the Garden and, man, that shit was dope. Like, can't can't say anything negative about that because it was nothing less than the experience. Um, baseball, I've never really got into baseball. I'm throwing the first pitch at the Mexican game on the 18th. Oh, let's um, go. About to, uh, about to go. I'm about to go decline the uh, MLB contract. I was gonna say you got to practice. We, we got we can't embarrass you out here. Garrett's wasn't that great. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't as impressed. I thought it was gonna be better. He has his boy Brett Beatty there too. Like we gotta step it up. Nah, see, I, and and I'm about to be in here. I'm about to YouTube some videos. If you 50 cent this shit, I you're not welcome back on the show. Yeah, it's not happening. I'm about to. I'm about to. Uh, I don't even know a famous pitcher, but whoever the best pitcher is, I'm about to. I'm about to show them how to throw a slider. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, that's that's not bad because 50 cent and Conor McGregor's uh, stuff is not great. Are you a UFC guy or have you gotten any UFC at all or not really? I'm a boxing fan. I ain't gonna lie. I'm. I'm. I'm Francis the Ngannou uh, Fury fight. That is seems like a money grab, but like I'm. I'm intrigued. You know how it goes. Yeah. That, that that's definitely that's gonna be a nice fight. If Tyson Fury gonna knock him out, but I mean that that's just again that's a little bit for the money, but just two guys getting at the end of their careers and just trying to have a little fun with it. I respect it. Uh. And, and I respect, you know, Earl Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford about to fight at the end of this month. 
And man, I'm watching every every last interview and every last piece of anything I could find on that. Cause I mean, man, that's gonna be a hell of a fight. So I'm I'm a boxing fan through and through now. Like I went to the tank fight earlier this offseason and and it just it just sent me on over the edge. You know, I just can't get enough of boxing now. So when I finish playing, it just look for me in the ring. Yeah, all right, there we go. Hopefully you don't go on the Greg Hardy route, although Oh no. Yeah, no. although People people universally were happy watching Greg Hardy get knocked out over and over again. Uh, I'm excited for the John Jones uh, Stipe fight in the Garden. I hope John Jones doesn't retire after that. I know he's talked about it, but best yeah. fighter of ever, best uh, pound for pound for pound UFC fighter ever. Last one. Obviously, we talked about the schedule. I know you kind of mentioned. Are you excited to go play in Dallas? I don't know if you ever played in Dallas. Are you like excited to go back to Texas and play like a, a big game like that? Or is there any stadiums that you guys play in this year? I know you guys go to Vegas. Um, obviously it's the first time since that stadium has been built. Is there anything like that that you like give any of those circle, any locations like family wise or like getting friends going be on the go home, stuff like that? Uh, I mean, it's always cool going home. Um, but going home also means that I have to answer. Uh, I was going to say, you're going to have a million texts on tickets and, tickets and Houston massage parlors. No, sorry. That was too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too soon. <laughs> no, for sure. it, it's definitely one of those, like, it's bittersweet. Like, it's cool. We all love seeing family. We all want the family at the game. And, you know, one thing I don't want to do is answer a thousand texts about what tickets in. And one is July. So, like, being realistic, I don't I don't much know what I'm doing next week on a day-to-day basis, let alone September, whatever that is. And I gotta remember a hundred thousand tickets for these people. Like it's just it's unrealistic. Um and but I, again, as a family member and you know, people that I love, like cool, like they should ask me and there ain't no problem. Um and you know, last time I played in Texas, uh, in Texas, shoot, I had the best game of my career. So I'm about to go to the motherfucker and try to do the same thing. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And actually win defensive player of the week. Yeah, that was crazy. No, it's uh, it'll be interesting. The Cowboys tickets, uh, they definitely have made a, a mint on expensive, expensive regular season tickets. I was curious just looking at them. Oof. Uh, upper decks like in the 400s or 400 bucks a ticket that and that stadium's like massive so good luck with good luck with buying those seats um no i appreciate uh i appreciate you hopping on obviously you guys getting you know get started here in you know eight or nine days and you know hall of fame game which sorry fans people uh players do not like the hall of fame game means camp starts a week and a half early but i uh, appreciate you obviously uh you know taking some time and you know in between workouts and everything like that no, without a doubt, man. Appreciate the opportunity and shoot, look forward to catching back up soon.